Welcome back to the Movie Muse podcast. It's been a while, but following our recent 80s movie quiz live broadcast, the Movie Muse team are back in action. On the pod today, we've got Simon, the ever-eternal optimist Burton. Hello. Miserable Matt Corn. And Mr. Even Stephen, my good self, Gordon Sinclair. Tonight, we continue our film club feature with the 17th film on our list, the 1989 Nintendo advert and Fred Savage vehicle, The Wizard. Savage was riding high at the end of the 80s with the hit comedy nostalgia series The Wonder Years, and so it's no surprise that he was chosen to front a film that was essentially the official launch of the Super Mario Bros. 3 video game. Though that shouldn't detract from the lofty ambitions of the film overall, a tale of two young runaways, one suffering from PTSD after the death of his twin sister, who after meeting a similarly disenfranchised young teen set off for California, and the video game Armageddon competition at Universal Studios, with the dreams of winning £50,000. $50,000 even. The trio get into a number of scrapes as they try to avoid the dastardly private eye hired by the boy's mother, and also their father and older brother, who are also in hot pursuit. The film features a number of Nintendo Entertainment System arcade games, and even an infamous fit scene with the ill-fated Nintendo Power Glove. It was a critical bomb at the time, with most of the criticism centred on the product placement, particularly for Nintendo and Universal, but with a cult following that drove good sales on home media, The Wizard is still held with a lot of nostalgic fondness. You got 50,000 on Double Dragon? Rick Savage has a plan. He's headed for the video championships. It's going to take a lot of talent. Ellie, here we come! A little romance. I am not kissing a boy. And The Wizard. Video Armageddon. You can do it! Fred Savage in The Wizard, rated PG. Matt, what did you think? This is the first time I've seen this film. Never watched it back in the 80s. Didn't really appeal to me because most video game movies are generally terrible. Although this isn't really a video game movie. It's not based on a video game. It's still got video games in it and I've not heard many great things about it. But actually I didn't think it was that bad. I mean... It's very much working to a blueprint of most 80s films. You know, you've got the, the likeable characters, the not likeable characters, the sort of adventure that they're going on, the cheesy sort of soft rock soundtrack and not very great acting for the most part. But despite all that, I thought it was okay. Um, it's, it's a really shameless Nintendo marketing movie. There's so much placement of the Nintendo stuff in there. As you mentioned, the Power Glove in particular, um, all the different games. I noticed a few games where they were calling the game one thing and it was actually a different game on the screen. And also they got this racing game, which I think was Top Speed, the Konami game. They called it F1 Dream, which is a completely different game. I looked it up while I was watching the film. Uh, But I didn't understand why that was there at all, because it's not a Nintendo game, it's not a NES game. So that was a bit (laughs) peculiar. But overall... It's kind of a heartwarming story. It was, it's a bit like a sort of kid's version of Rain Man, I suppose. You know, Rain Man was Tom Cruise getting his um, autistic older brother taking him from a, a care home or whatever on a road trip. And this is a similar sort of story, although I think it probably came out the same year as Rain Man. So I don't suppose you could say he ripped it off. But yeah, I mean, I think the ending was quite heartwarming. Um, I like the big sort of Nintendo, what's the thing called the video game Armageddon? Uh, scenes were quite fun as well. Some interesting hardware there. They've got like massive joysticks to, to play with and, and buttons rather than a NES controller. But yeah, and also there was the, the product placement or the, 
the advertising for Universal Studios, so that appealed to me as a theme park fan. It was interesting to see Universal as it looked back then. So, yeah, there was a few things to like about it. It was very cheesy, very 80s, but it wasn't terrible. Okay, thanks for that, Matt. Simon, what about you? What Matt said is the same for me. I'd never seen it before. There's what I expected of a say of an eight, a sort of mid to late 80s sort of teen movie. Obviously, it was a big product placement for Nintendo. It was, you know, it was almost just like a very long adver- advert with a story built around it. <laughs> but it was, it was interesting. I, I liked some of the characters. I didn't think it was, it wasn't awful. I looked online as well and saw some of people's reviews and what it got, rotten tomatoes and things. And I thought, well, I thought it was a bit unfair. It was, um, they see well, look, reviews I read online seem to say it did plagiarise. It was Rayman. It went off, but I don't know what part of the year whether they came out or not. I don't know. It must have this same year they must have been started. This must have been in production before Rayman was finished. But they would say it sort of said it didn't really, it didn't really deal with the concept of the, of the little boy with the issues. It didn't really, it didn't really focus on that. It was all about just getting to the gaming event. But I thought the way they buddied up with the girl and it was all and the things that happened to them along the way. I did predict that he'd go missing at one point. I did predict they'd get into trouble with some kids or something. Um, the Power Bluff was a big, <laughs> big product placement. Couldn't get any better than that. With the uh, the cool kid with it, of course. But uh, it was nice. It was all right. It was, there was no scenes where I was cringing. I thought it was good. Bo Bridges didn't play the dad. It was just a typical sort of what I expected at that time. And there were some reasonable names in there. And it, it got, you know, I knew they'd get to the end. I half expected him not to quite win it. I thought maybe he might just fail at the last minute, but they'll say that doesn't matter. It's taking part and all that. But no, he won it. It it all went well at the end. So I thought, uh, okay, fair enough. But it was nice. It was a nice feeling. And I just liked the way that he eventually, when he was going back to California, I didn't think he'd go to that dinosaur place. And then suddenly realised it linked in with the picture that he'd had in his box with his sister that had died. And yeah, it was just all a nice ending. So, yeah, it was very on the rails, but I actually quite enjoyed it. And because it had video games in it, I'm not a NES fan, I don't think about it. it's Nintendo at that time. Obviously, for Americans, they, it was a big thing for them. Um, for us, I mean, we didn't really, didn't really hit over the NES, so I was more into the Masters of Mega Drive. So, but yeah, it, overall, I thought it was not a bad movie. I, I'm probably a little bit harder on some of the story elements than the new guys seem to be. But yeah, for. for what is essentially a kids film it was it had some very adult themes the PTSD the whole runaways thing you know the 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 girl that just suddenly turns up and then ends up following them but she's got these older men friends that seemed quite protective but odd that that she would know these people and they would be looking out for her but they're not concerned that she's all on her own in the big bad world I, th- I thought there were some some scenes that you know you might have got away in the in, in the eighties, but you know that he touched my breast scene was um, I thought basically accusing uh, somebody of paedophilia um, as a as a plot point on, on a kids movie seemed a little bit out of place certainly certainly for now. I thought some of the some of the arcade machines that they, they were all like Play Choice Ten or whatever the the, the various Nintendo machines that just were you know the home software in an arcade shell I assume but they, they were talking about playing Double Dragon and, and I was expecting to see Double Dragon and then I saw the NES version of Double Dragon in a, in an arcade shell and it was just so disappointing 
because as, as a video game fan, I would have loved to have seen the real Double Dragon there and, and seen them playing in our world rather than in Nintendo's world. So it was, it was a bit disappointing in, in a lot of ways. The, the other thing I found really odd was Paul Bridges and Christian Slater just didn't seem that bothered that the two boys were missing. They, they went on a road trip and had some nice bonding. They didn't seem actually to, to give a damn about the two other boys that, that, that were missing. Uh, from, for the most part in the film, um, it was all about getting one up on the on the bounty hunter. So uh, yeah, that that was a bit odd as well. So I think it was you know it was it, it was typical eighties fare. It was you know it was like a poor man's over the top or something. With you know the 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 bonding seems to be the main thing, bonding between the brother and the the, the two brothers and the brother and the dad and that kind of thing, based around a theme. But it it was such a missed opportunity. Uh, but as far as I believe, it, the, due to a chip shortage, that they wanted to to do some big reveal for Super Mario Brothers three because of the delay that it for it being released. So they thought, let's tie it into this video game movie and and make a big deal out of it. But then, the actual Super Mario Brothers three bit wasn't that exciting. It just throwing it into the Armageddon Nick, but it didn't seem really making that big a deal of anything. Lots of product placement, but not a lot of fanfare. Doesn't mean they didn't enjoy it, but I just think it's such a such a shame. Even in 1989, which I actually thought it came out earlier, because in 1989 I was 17, so I must have watched it when I was 19. So I was probably a bit old for the target audience back then, but I thought it was from so much earlier, and because I thought I, I enjoyed it the first time I watched it, and then I watched it the second time and thought, oh, I'm not so sure about this. And then this week I watched it again for the third time and enjoyed it even less. So it's uh, it's, it's a film with diminishing returns. So uh, if you've only watched it the once, you two, I would say stick, don't twist. I definitely agree with some of the stuff you said, especially about Super Mario Brothers 3. There's a couple of things. I, I quite like the reveal. It's one of my favourite scenes, actually, was the big reveal of Super Mario 3. I thought that was actually even knowing that it was going to be announced, it was actually quite brilliant. And I, I kind of quite enjoyed that. But then the footage they showed of it was really mediocre and probably because no one knew how to play it at that point, I suppose. But um, there's a bit near the end where the kid, Jimmy, he finds the warp zone and he gets this magic flute or something like that. And the girl in the crowd who's never, ever seen the game before goes, oh, get the magic flute, that'll do, allow you to go wherever you like. It's like, how would you possibly know that? And it's just stupid stuff like that. that you'd never pick holes in it like that when you were a kid. But now, knowing how games work and stuff, it was just silly. You know, what you said about the Double Dragon as well. It's like, why show, you know, you could show the, the arcade version, but you're showing the NES version. It's, it's a bit embarrassing at times, the amount of NES... We haven't even talked about the Power Glove scene yet, but we'll get on to that. Yeah, well, I was just going to talk about um, favourite scenes, and I I don't know whether the Mario 3 is yours, um, Matt. I I think mine has to be the the Power Glove one, just because it's so (laughs) over-the-top ridiculous um, that that this kid is is so ultra-cool. He's the only person in the world who's got this glove, and the way that he's driving the car with it is just <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, I, I, I loved it. That that was proper eighties cheese. It, it was in a good I way. Think that was the best scene. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that, that was the best scene. But it's just like, could you even do that with the power glove? I don't, I don't know. think you can. Has anyone ever used a power glove? It was like he was using a, a, a Wii controller rather than a power yeah. glove. Yeah, it's, it's a steering wheel, and it's like there's. 
I don't think you could even do that with it. And if you could, I doubt it was as good as like the control that was being shown on the screen. But but again, the, the footage that they shown of him driving, he was supposed to be so brilliant, but he kept crashing the car all the time, um, yeah. bumping into other cars. And I was I was expecting to see you know weaving through the traffic and uh, being really good at the game, but he actually looked pretty average at it, apart from looking really cool driving the car. Um, what about you, Si? Were there any other scenes that stood out for you? The little spat in the town with, um, between the, the child catcher and, and his dad and, and his brother. I thought it was sick. What I liked about it, he swept his car up and they couldn't leave it alone and he went back. And then the other guy said, well, all right, then I'll tell you what. He turned around and then smashed him head on and wrecked his engine from behind. And then he was able to drive off and they carved in bits. But the, thing, the scene I thought was in a similar vein to that when they went to that restaurant emo telly place and he was in the phone box I had a funny I, for some reason I thought they were going to spot him and then smash straight, straight into him in the telephone box and completely take him out but no they didn't see him and he gets their tar, car towed but in a matter of about half an hour it's not only been towed it's in the scrapyard and it's in bits and <laughs> you tow, get a car and they get it taken scrapped down to literally nothing and then they rebuilt it Christian Slater comes in with some oil on his face and says dad it's, it's all pretty sorted and it all, it's all back together, all in different colours of body parts. Maybe is that all? How do you just find that particular car's, there's parts of that particular pickup truck there, and it's all look the same, but just all different coloured. Uh, yeah, I just thought that was a bit silly. And his dad's in that little old container with the Nez on, still trying to play. You've got to yeah. just go, yeah, I've got to finish it, and he turns it off. I thought that was silly, but I, I, no, I didn't mind those scenes. I thought it was a bit silly, but it's just, it's just what it is. Yeah. I think that's the, that was probably my biggest problem with the film, is that I felt like, there was a lot of good slapstick 80s humour in there, but then they threw in all the PTSD and the runaway children and things that just didn't fit in that kind of, you know, family-friendly comedy that, that they'd built. I just, I just felt it just was a bit strange. What about characters? Did any of the characters stand out for you? Well, that girl Hayley, was, she was confident, and she was, you know, when I thought she was... Um she fit the part well of that kind of meeting this kind of confident girl. She's a little bit old, slightly older, and the way she sort of took charge. And I like the way they all try to try and make money to try and get enough money to get to their lay, and trying to do all different bits and pieces. And then, but it, it just in character wise, I didn't mind the, the child guy was a bit annoying, but he was he was playing it exactly as you expected of, of that era of that kind of nasty character. But at the end, even he, he cheered when he won the bloody thing. Oh, I know that kid. <laughs> Yeah, I've been trying to abduct him for about two, three days in this show, mate. And um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't think any particular character stood out. Matt, I, I tend to agree. They were all very sort of stereotypical characters from those kind of films. I'd probably agree that uh, the girl Haley was probably a little bit atypical for that era, in that she's a sort of fairly strong female character. Although, like you said, the um, the fact that she seemed to basically just be living on her own and just had this strange group of people looking after her, you know, truck drivers and stuff was, was a bit strange. There were quite a lot of sinister characters in it, I thought. Like, obviously, you've mentioned the bounty hunter or whatever they're calling him. I mean, as if you would trust that guy to go and retrieve a young child. I mean, he's, he, if you were to, you were to draw a picture of a paedophile, that's probably the picture you'd draw. The way he's carrying him out of the arcade at that at one point, he just got this boy under his yeah. arm, launching him out of an arcade. Yeah, yeah very sensitive. 
yeah, even even the guy, the, the sort of host of the competition was a bit sinister as well. The, the you know the, the AMC of the competition. So yeah, there, was, there weren't many good characters in it, as Simon just said. They're, they're all very stereotypical of that year. And I think probably the girl was probably, although her acting was really bad at the beginning, she, she tended to got better as it went on. I think. I think for me it was it was probably Christian Slater. I think I think he you could see that he was probably uh, Bo Bridges apart was by far the best actor in in the film, and there was so much scope with his character. You know when 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 he started mending the the console and things like that, there was there was scope for the more to come from that character, more of the relationship between him and his dad, and 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 it was a shame that they skipped a lot of that um, to put more Nintendo adverts in. So um, I think Christian Slater was my favourite actor in the film, but the character was underused, so he possibly wasn't my favourite character. I mean, it, fe- it feels harsh to be overly critical of a, of a, a 1980s video game movie when, you know, <laughs> there haven't been good video game movies until 2025, maybe. So, so it's probably a bit harsh for us to be overcritical, but I, I, I enjoyed the film, but it's not the sum of the parts I couldn't add up all the bits that I liked because there aren't that many it's just a feeling I think you know it's just got this nice 80s feeling even though it's almost a 90s film yeah I'd say the same it's just it's kind of a sort of familiarity of those kind of films with the video game stuff added just makes it a nice film for people like us to watch we grew up watching those kind of kids adventure movies and we also we were playing video games, so it just got sort of worked. I think if I'd watched it 10 years ago or even 20 years ago, I'd have thought it was terrible. But because I watch it now and, you know, got nostalgia on my side as well, I think that would definitely help. Just saying, when I was watching it, I, I Googled the, the characters and the actors in it just while I was watching the film. And the guy who played that, it's a bounty hunter stroke, Peter File stroke, kid, kid network, he, um, he came second to Luke, to well, Hamill as becoming Luke Skywalker. Really? Oh my God! He was the second. He was the he was the second choice. What a difference that film would have been. And then the girl who played that Haley, she's called Jenny Lewis, and she fronted a band that you probably won't know them, but I, they're an indie rock band, sort of the American type indie rock band from about mid 2000 2005. I think their biggest album came out, and I actually got it. And I actually didn't realise she was the same until I checked. So I was like, what? She was the leading of Rhino Kylie? No way! Yeah. And the Luke Skywalker thing, I was like, yeah, he'd be smashing be spaceships into other people and touching breasts and stuff. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've exhausted what there is to talk yes. about um, a pretty run-of-the-mill film, but let's uh, let, let's go around and give our, our scores out of five then. So, um, Simon, what are you giving The Wizard? I'm going to give The Wizard a solid three and a half out of five today. Ooh. Generous. So Matt? Yeah, that is generous. Uh, it'll be a solid three out of five for me. Inoffensive is probably the best way to describe it. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree, and I feel bad giving it a three out of five because I actually don't think it's better than average, which three should um, should should be. But I also feel guilty giving it two and a half because I think it it's this pun in there, and the nostalgia is enough on its own. So I'm going to give it three as well. So. That gives us a score of three point something out of five, um, which is three point two, which I suppose is a recommendation. Yeah, what I liked, I just resonated with it because it was like 
it was just as simpler times. It was just that really hit me. I was looking back at it thinking, I wouldn't mind going back to 1989. I know there's been advances in technology and games and stuff and all sorts of things, but I like the fact that they're in a world where there's no internet, no mobile phones, and it's just, they've just got, you know, it's about what they've got to do for themselves, and they can't just, it's not, oh, let's look on our phone, let's quickly see, yeah, we get a bus from here, we can get, oh, no, we, they don't you know, know, there's nothing we can do. That, that's really true, and I haven't thought of it like that. Apart from when they rang the Nintendo power line to get all the tips for the games, yeah. and that took me back, and I was thinking, God... I never did ring one of those, but I remember them being advertised in all the magazines and, and yeah, what have you. Yeah. So it, it, it was a simpler time, and, and that kind of gives me yeah. a little bit more fondness for the film now, thinking about That's that. what I liked about it. That's, I just like that. They still look quite cool. Theme parts have looked reasonably good. I know, I presume it's probably way bigger and way more impressive these days, but I think it looks okay for night for the late 80s. And didn't seem yeah, I think it was just the studio tour back then. I don't think there was any rides no. there. I imagine it was just the studio tour. I do like how you said it was, reminds you of simpler times. Simpler times where you could kidnap your little brother <laughs> from a care home and, and basically hitchhike from Utah to California without the police getting involved at all. <laughs> there, yeah, there was another, another scene I really liked. I put it on the short list for best scene. It was early on where the guy's chasing Fred Savage around a load of cows in the back of a truck. <laughs> that was it. I liked that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a sinister. That was quite sinister as well. The, grabbing the girl, grabbing, chasing him, and then he wanted the yeah. bit of cash. How many times did they make some money though and have it stolen though? They, they repeated that. I'm sure that happened three times in the film. So. At least, yeah. And then her, it one of her, one of her who look after her, go to the casino. She tells him how a little thirteen-year-old girl tells him how to win it, and everyone comes in. Everything she said happened. She gives <laughs> yeah. him a tenner for it. Wins four hundred quid or five hundred dollars. Brilliant. I did yeah. love the um, the line from the end of the power glove scene as well. I love the power glove. <laughs> <laughs> God Almighty. Yeah, I can't see that on the posters. So I think that yeah. basically means that uh, the wizard is stupid fun. Yeah. Fun but stupid, not yeah. stupidly fun. It was a perfect kind of film to watch in a in a in this time where we. Where we just need something to cheer us up a bit. I mean, in, in this depressing time. And they even had things like New Kids on the Block in the in the soundtrack. Did <laughs> New Kids in the block, on the Block in the background? <laughs> yeah. So I think I think that's uh, I think that's fair enough. And, and like you say, Matt, in these in these very strange times, it's almost the perfect film to uh, to, to sit back and watch um, while you're trapped in your house on a you know a sunny Sunday afternoon.